Brian McClanahan Show, episode 346. It's time to think locally and act locally. Welcome to the Brian McClanahan Show. Glad to have you back on the program. Very glad to be here. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter, at Brian McClanahan. Like my Facebook page, at Brian McClanahan. And subscribe to my YouTube page, where you can watch this podcast, at Brian McClanahan. You can find all those social media accounts on my webpage, brianmcclanahan.com. While you're there, give me an email address, and I'll give you a free ebook, Forgotten Founders, and a free audiobook of the same title, read by yours truly. You can support the show by going to mclanahanacademy.com. It's always free to enroll. You get a free class when you enroll, and of course, you can purchase one of my courses there. I have a new course coming out this week. We're on Thursday. That's a big hint. Only a couple of days left in the week. So if you're not registered, you're not going to get the best coupon on that new course. So you want it. You're going to want this class. You're going to want to get the best coupon. So go out and enroll. You can also support the show by clicking on that support tab at brianmcclanahan.com. You can throw a few pennies my way, help keep the lights on, help keep the podcast going. You can get your Brian McClanahan book plate if you want my autograph on one of my books. I've got a new book out, Southern Scribblings. You want to get that too. I just talked about it on yesterday's podcast. You can also support the show by going to Learn True, T-R-U-E, LearnTrueHistory.com. That's my affiliate link for Tom Woods Liberty Classroom, where I teach with Tom and a whole bunch of other great instructors. You can click on that shop tab at brianmcclanahan.com, get your Brian McClanahan Show logo and all kinds of cool stuff, plus the Think Locally, Act Locally logo. Lots of great ways to support the show, and always please share it around on social media. That's the way we're going to grow an organic audience. Rate it wherever you get your podcasts. Do all you can to get people thinking locally and acting locally, because that is the real revolution in the world. It's people taking back their government from the bottom up. And I know... People have talked about grassroots, but even the left is starting to realize that federalism is the way forward. When you have people like George Soros funding local government activism, he understands that's how you're going to change things. So we've got to get involved, too. Of course, we don't have a George Soros backing us, but we can get involved in things. And when people ask, what can I do? I tell them all the time, that's what you do. So get out there and get involved, and particularly when you're fighting against stuff that I'm going to talk about today, which is the stupidity of Barack Obama's DNC speech last night. Now, Obama's been out of office for almost four years, and thankfully, thankfully we haven't heard much from him in four years. I mean, every now and then we get something with Obama. But um, when you look at this speech, you realize how constitutionally ignorant this constitutional scholar really is. And then how stupid the constituents of the Democrat Party really are, or maybe just in general how stupid Americans really are. I'm not not certain which one it is. Because what you see in this particular speech is a whole lot of nothing. It's about Obama, number one. It's always about Obama. You see, Trump's election, as he's pointed out recently, was about Obama. He said, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the stupidity of Obama and Biden, the bad job they did. I mean, this is true. People elected Donald Trump because of Barack Obama. They were tired of Obama. In some ways, they also elected Trump because they were suspicious of Hillary Clinton. You know, one of the things, if I was advising the Trump campaign, I would say, look, what you need to do in your advertisements is constantly show the tent cities and other things in Democrat-controlled cities, the violence in these cities, and say, this is Democrats' America. I mean, this is what the Democrats do. And I know he did some of that, you know, saying that this is what Joe Biden's America would look like. 
And people say, well, this is Trump's America. No, these are in Democrat-controlled cities. Show this stuff. These are Democrats running cities. This is what Democrats do when they run things. You know, Kamala Harris's speech was so full of hypocrisy, it wasn't even funny. So I'm not going to focus on that one. Again, as I said before, she is, she is phony. But so is Joe Biden. I wonder if Joe Biden's going to plagiarize his speech tonight, because he's very good at that. Back in 1988, the Democrat press called him out on it constantly, and he had to sit there and apologize for it over and over again. That clip is devastating, which I think the Trump campaign has started running a little bit. So I'm sure he's going to be very cautious about plagiarizing because he knows it's out there. He knows that he's going to get pegged for it again if he does it. But Biden, of course, recently there's been the story about Biden and his, his wife uh, you know, meeting on a blind date. I, I guess this is, this is the story for the Democrats. You know, Kamala Harris met on a blind date. Now Joe Biden met on a blind date. I mean, come on now. We know that that's not the case with the Bidens. Harris even promoted that story in her speech. I mean, this is just so stupid. So uh, we have, those speeches are going to be ridiculously vapid, right? I mean, there's nothing to them. There's no substance to what Harris said, and Joe Biden's going to be even worse. But I want to focus on Obama's speech because he says some things that are just so blatantly false that this is a guy that, of course, is president of the United States. So let me get into this. Hopefully you didn't watch it because it's a, it's a waste of time. So I did. But more importantly, I'm going to uh, talk about the text of the speech. So he first he begins in this very folksy way. Good evening, everybody. As you've seen by now, this isn't a normal convention. It's not a normal time. So tonight, I want to talk as plainly as I can about the stakes in this election because what we do these next 76 days will echo through generations to come. I mean, come on. Can you get any more... <laughs> Any more ridiculous than that. Uh, Now, I want to get to the next couple of paragraphs, the next few. Again, first of all, it's about Obama. And apparently Obama is a good judge of character. I don't know about that. Uh, I don't think Obama's ever really been a good judge of character, but let's get into this. So he says, I'm in Philadelphia where our Constitution was drafted and signed. It wasn't a perfect document. It allowed for the inhumanity of slavery and failed to guarantee women and even men who didn't own property the right to participate in the political process. So, I mean, this is, this is an interesting... Let me just stop there. No one, no one would have suggested in 1787... And I, I know that there was... I say no one. There were a few members of the founding generation in Philadelphia who were concerned about the institution of slavery. Okay. But everyone recognized that as a state issue. And there wasn't going to be a union of 13 states, a continuation of that union of 13 states, if there was anything in the Constitution that allowed for the abolition of slavery right then, if it gave Congress the power to do it, or if they said you got to abolish slavery. In fact, we would have had two different republics sitting in the what's now the United States in North America. It wasn't going to happen. Or we would have had 13 different republics. I mean... It, If you want to talk about union, I mean, this is the case. So uh, it didn't allow for this. Uh, It simply continued the union that was already there before that. And also with this idea of men, universal suffrage, the founders were opposed to democracy entirely. I mean, 
You have quote after quote from the founding generation of Ben saying, we don't want democracy. Our evils flow from democracy. That's Elbridge Gary of Massachusetts. The evils we experience flow from democracy. So when Obama sits here and talks about democracy, he's missing the entire point of, of, of what we had in 1787. Nobody wanted that. But embedded in this document was a North Star that would guide future generations, a system of representative government, a democracy. No, no. In fact, the founders made it very clear we, we didn't have a, a national democracy coming from the Constitution. But see, here is Obama changing history. This is what Obama likes to do. He said in 2009 he's going to continue remaking America. And by giving speeches like this, this is exactly what he's doing. And more importantly, a neoconservative could have made this speech. What do I mean by that? When he gets to the end of this, a neoconservative clearly could have made this speech because of the way he frames the speech and this national greatness that he talks about. You see, this is why the neoconservatives want Joe Biden. This is why the neoconservatives didn't mind Barack Obama when it came to things like this. They all agree on a fundamental thing. That's Lincolnian nationalism. Even Trump is a Lincolnian nationalist. Okay, so we don't really have real federalism anymore in any major party that's got a chance of winning the election. Through civil war and bitter struggles, we improved this Constitution to include the voices of those who'd once been left out. And gradually we made this country more just, more equal, and more free. Hmm. I don't know about more free. Uh, and what are these terms just and equal? I mean, that's, that's, those are loaded terms. What does that actually mean? Are we more free today in America than we were 100 years ago in America? Can, if, if we were to look at, just say in 1787, are we more free today than we were in 1787? Or do we have layers upon layers upon layers of regulations and laws that make us far less free than we ever were before? Hasn't made us more free. Government's made us less free. And this, is, this is a fact. Now, this is the next line is just so funny. This is where Obama, again, is distorting history. The one constitutional office elected by all of the people is the presidency. You can't make up a bigger lie than that. It's not elected by all the people. It's elected by the Electoral College. But you see here he's saying, well, the president's elected by all the people. This is a democracy. So we've got this archaic Electoral College that gets in the way of all this stuff. This is the talking point for the left. They want to get rid of the Electoral College because they think it's uh, an archaic relic of a time that doesn't matter anymore. But the Electoral College was inserted in the document to prevent exactly what he says here with the president's elected by all the people and to keep the states in the process. That's why it's there. Because the founding generation did not trust all the people to elect the president because the president had powers that could make them an elected king, which essentially Obama was. Same thing with Trump. So he says, so at minimum, we should expect a president to feel a sense of responsibility for the safety and welfare of all 330 million of us. Regardless of what we look like, how we worship, how, who we love, how much money we have, or who we voted for. And I... I don't think Trump has ever said anything to the contrary in his entire four years that he's been in office. Trump has never said anything against that. He's got an ad running now from the log cabin Republicans. He point, he's the first man to appoint a, an openly 
gay person to the cabinet. And this, I mean, look, that ad, if that's your agenda, is devastating for Joe Biden, if you've watched it. If that's where you're, if that's your single issue, he takes it apart. Takes apart Obama here as well. Trump has been, I mean, think back to when there was uh, uh, Bruce Jenner and how, uh, you know, he was inviting Bruce Jenner into the Trump Tower and when we had all of that issue going on back in 2016. I mean, this is, uh, this is, a, uh, this is a, a, a false statement. Uh, Trump and Kanye West, I mean, Trump has shown over and over again, if, again, if this is your agenda, if diversity, and we're talking about diversity when it comes to uh, all of these uh, issues like race, class, uh, race, gender, you know, orientation, these kind of things, Trump has not shown any reluctance to side on the left. But see, this is what Richard Nixon figured out back in the 70s when he was surprised about how the left would attack him when he was going more left on the issues than the left was. But see, it doesn't matter because it's all about their power. Again, this speech is all about Democrats regaining power. Regaining power. So then Obama continues. But we should also expect a president to be the custodian of this democracy. We should expect that regardless of ego, ambition, or political beliefs, the president will preserve, protect, and defend the freedoms and ideals. No, no, no. No, no, no. This is, this is appallingly bad. Think about how Obama just changed what the president is supposed to do. Now, I have a whole class on the American presidency at McClanahan Academy. I cover all the presidents who have held the office, including Donald Trump, and including another American president who isn't classified as such in Jefferson Davis. But I, I have that class because of this particular line. Look at what Obama just did here. We should also expect the president to be the custodian of this democracy. First of all, we don't have a democracy. We have a federal republic. Okay. Second of all, the president's job is to preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution of the United States. That's his oath. But Obama changed that to say the freedoms and ideals that so many Americans marched for and went to jail for, fought and died for. See, what he's done there is made the president the standard bearer for uh, the 1960s revolution. That's not what the president is there for. Now, I know he's appealing to his constituency here, because this is what the idiots on the left think. They don't think the president is there to preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution. Obama didn't want to preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution. I don't care if he's standing in Philadelphia with Constitution behind him. It doesn't matter to Obama. It never mattered to Obama. This is ridiculous. So he says, I sat in the Oval Office with both of the men who are running for president. I never expected that my successor would embrace my vision or continue my policies. No, because your policies were garbage. I did hope for the sake of our country that Donald Trump might show some interest in taking the job seriously. I don't know. Again, where does it say he hasn't taken the job seriously? I, I don't see any evidence he hasn't taken it seriously. Is it because he's played golf? Well, Obama played a lot of golf, too. In fact, I wrote an article for the Daily Caller years ago. Where I said Obama should play more golf. I mean, this is we want the president playing golf because they can't meddle and do things. That he might come to feel the weight of the office and discover some reverence for the democracy that has been placed in his care. Again, it's, he uses this term. I'm not so certain he knows what that term means. 
He uses this term over and over, and it's, it's leftist talking points. I mean, he's appealing to the lowest common denominator of his constituency here because they don't know anything. Let's look at the stupid preamble thing they did, which I talked about. Ridiculous. That was embarrassingly funny. Embarrassingly bad. But he never did. For close to four years now, he's shown no interest in putting in the work. He hasn't? I mean, did he not just uh, get uh, one of the most important agreements in the history of the Middle East worked out? Did he not do that? Uh, Was he not on TV every single day when it came to uh, the beginning of this COVID-19 crisis? Which the Democrats are... This is funny. Kamala Harris said that all these people are out of school because Donald Trump... No, no. Donald Trump has said, go back to school. Get the kids back in school. Go back to work. Get back to school. I want you to know things. Who's blocking this? The governors of the states. Because the governors, rightly so, have all the control over this. So if they want to criticize anyone for not putting kids back... In California, where the teachers are saying, if you don't test... This is Kamala Harris is from California. This is what I said in the last episode. Do we want to Californize everything? So in California, where the teachers have said, if you don't test every single student and every single teacher, we're not going back to work. That's the teachers' union. That's, that's not Donald Trump. He's saying, put the kids back in school. they got to go back to school. And some Democrats are now realizing that that's a more popular position than what these people, these idiots that are now running for the, for the office are saying. And they're starting to come out and say these things. Oh, you got to put the kids back in school. This is a crisis that's been created by not Donald Trump. And w- the funniest thing is when, um, I think it was Harris, not in, not in uh, this speech, but I think Harris's speech where he, she said that uh, Joe Biden, or maybe it was in this one, I'll get to it, but Joe Biden uh, protected America from H1N1 and uh, Ebola. It was all because of Joe Biden and Barack Obama that we were protected from H1N1. Now, H1N1 certainly was a nasty virus, and I actually have a personal friend who died from from it, who was 30 years old. Got it on a cruise ship going to Mexico. Uh, But the fact is, um, that's a flu virus, and people knew what that was. This is entirely different. And what is Trump supposed to do? He's already said, look, I shut down China. Joe Biden was against shutting down China. Joe Biden was against closing off Europe. Joe Biden was against these things. He didn't want to shut off. Don't shut off China. Joe Biden was against it. He's on, he's on the record saying I'm against that. So what did, the, what did the Obama administration do? They didn't do anything. They did really nothing. They just kind of let H1N1 take its course, and that was that. I mean, did they really, what did they do with Ebola? Ebola stayed in Africa, um, and that's good. Uh, we had a couple of people with Ebola here in the United States who came back from Africa. So we had a, tr- I guess we had a travel ban with Africa. I can't remember now off the top of my head, but they didn't really do much to prevent Ebola from getting into the United States. This is a, the Chinese weren't forthcoming. If Ebola had started in China, guess what? We probably would have had Ebola, really nasty Ebola, in the United States, which would have been terrifying. Uh, but he never did. So he's forced close, years, four, close to four years, et cetera, et cetera. Donald Trump hasn't grown into the job because he can't. And the consequences of that failure are severe. 170,000 Americans are dead. Millions of jobs gone while those at the top taken more than ever. Is that Trump's fault that 170,000 people died from, from COVID-19? 
Or, I mean, is that something else? Is this just, I mean, did, did Trump create the virus? I can't, I, I don't understand this logic. It's, it's illogical. Millions of jobs gone. He's told people to open the economy again. Get the economy open. Millions of jobs gone is the Obama administration. The economy, economy never recovered during the Obama administration. It was awful. Now, Trump's response, of course, and the congressional response has been to spend to oblivion and crush the dollar and create nasty problems for the future. But regardless, the Obama administration is the worst in the history of the United States when it comes to economic growth. Uh, I should say in the, in the, in the 20th century, 20 and 21st century in particular. It is terrible. Terrible record. Our worst impulses unleashed. Our proud reputation around the world badly diminished. It is? Did he just ignore the peace accords that Trump got through that the Obama administration can never get done? How about that? And our democratic institutions threatened like never before. How? How are our democratic institutions threatened? What, can, can somebody give me an example of how our democratic institutions are threatened? Particularly at the state and local level. I mean, are they threatened? Are we talking about mail-in voting? Now, th this is an issue. You can have massive voter fraud with mail-in voting. With the, and Trump is making this clear. He's not opposed to voting by mail if you request an absentee ballot. But just going out and just handing out ballots to people, I mean, this is ripe for voter fraud. And if all these people can go out and protest and do these things, and they can be around each other all the time, but they, they can't go to a poll, I mean, this is, this is just stupid. Now, I know that in times as polarizes these, most of you have already made up your mind, but maybe you're still not sure which candidate you'll vote for or whether you'll vote at all. Maybe you're tired of the direction we're headed, but you can't see a better path yet, or you just don't know enough about the person who wants to lead us there. So let me tell you about my friend Joe Biden, the man that said I was the first clean, articulate black man to ever be elected for anything. That guy. Let me tell you about that guy. The guy that I said, you know, Joe's going to F this up. Let's not, let's not have Joe F this up. <laughs> the guy that I don't have any confidence in, really at all. But let me tell you about my friend here. The guy that I re almost re I just sat on the fence about endorsing. Uh, I didn't want to endorse him in 2016. Nah, let me tell you about that guy. <laughs> the guy that we just kind of, all right, well, Joe needs the job. Twelve years ago when I began my search, it's all about Obama for a vice president. I didn't know I'd end up finding a brother. Joe and I came from different places and different generations, but what, quick, what I quickly came to admire about him is his resilience, born of too much struggle, his empathy, born of too much grief. Joe's a man who learned early on to treat every person he meets with respect and dignity, living by the words his parents taught him. No one's better than you, Joe, but you're better than nobody. <laughs> um, is this true? Is this what Joe does? I mean, do the women that have accused him of anything of all kinds of nasty, is he treating them with dignity and respect? I mean, this is just all nonsense platitude. This is, this is just stupidity. That empathy, that decency, the belief that everybody counts, that's who Joe is. When he talks to someone who's lost her job, Joe remembers the night his father sat him down to say he'd lost his. When Joe listens to a parent who's trying to hold it all together right now, he does it as the single dad who took the train back to Wilmington each and every night so he could tuck his kids into bed while he's having an affair with the babysitter, who ends up being his wife. When he meets with military families who've lost their hero, he does it as a kindred spirit, the parent of an American soul. Allegedly, I should say about that with the affair. Allegedly. 
When he meets with military families who've lost their hero, he does it as a kindred spirit, the parent of a single soldier, somebody whose faith has endured the hardest loss there is. For eight years, Joe was the last one in the room whenever I faced a big decision. He made me a better president. He's got the character and the experience to make us a better country. Again, it's all about Obama. He made me. He made me. Well, if he made you a better president, I mean, at the end of eight years, I can only imagine how bad you were when you got there because at the end of eight years, you were awful. So in my friend Kamala Harris, he's chosen an ideal partner. He's more than prepared for the job, someone who knows what it's like to overcome barriers and who's made a career fighting to help others live out their American dream. Like that single mom who she threw in jail because her kids didn't go to school in California. Like that single mom. Like those, uh, like those people that are being busted uh, you know, for um, a dime bag there in, in California. Like those people. All those people, those homeless people in California, she's made all their lives better, hasn't she? All of them. Along with the experience needed to get things done, Joe and Kamala have concrete policies that will turn their vision of a better, fairer, stronger country into reality. They'll get this pandemic under control. Yeah, how are they going to do that, Barack? How are they going to do that? Like Joe did when he helped manage H1N1 and prevent Ebola. Yeah, whatever. But how is he, he going to do that, Barack? What are they going to do? They're going to mandate that everybody wears masks, even when they're, as uh, my friend Kevin Goodsman said, even in the middle of Idaho with nobody around, they got to wear a mask. Is this how they're going to get it under control, Barack? Unconstitutionally, by the way, they can't do it. There's nothing they can do that Trump hasn't done. Nothing. There's absolutely nothing the, the uh, Biden administration could do that Trump hasn't done. In fact, Trump is urging people to get back to school and do some things so we can get like maybe what South Dakota or Sweden get some herd immunity doing some things so that we can uh, and that's I know it's dangerous but I mean this is what this is how you get the virus under control but that's not what we're going to do what what they're talking about is New York where we just put old people in nursing homes with the virus and let everybody die there They'll expand health care to more Americans, like Joe and I did 10 years ago when we helped craft the Affordable Care Act and nail down the votes to make it the law. Uh, how are they going to do that, Brock? I thought you already did this. I thought you already did that. I mean, I thought we already expanded health care to millions of Americans. Now we're going to do it more? What are we going to do? What has Trump changed in that way? Nothing. Nothing. They'll rescue the economy like Joe helped me do after the Great Recession. Yeah, right. Help me do. Right. Obama rescued the economy. <laughs> this is so stupid. This is just, it's all about Obama. You see, Obama realizes what's on, what is at stake here, again, is his legacy. If Trump gets four more years, we're going to keep undoing Obama, at least somewhat. We're going to keep undoing it. And that is what he's afraid of most of all. Obama does not want to go down as a guy that uh, is highly problematic for American history. He already has, but. Uh, Joe and Kamala will restore our standing in the world. Yeah, right. They're going to launch more unconstitutional wars. Joe knows the world. The world knows him. (laughs) He knows that our true strength comes from setting an example the world wants to follow. Right. The the nation that stands with democracy, not dictators. Right, right. And so we're just going to have, you know, more military intervention. But more than anything, what I know about Joe and Kamala is that they actually care about every American. They do, really. Are you sure about that, Barack? Are you sure they really care about every American? And they deeply care about this democracy. Again, he keeps using that word. I'm not sure, certain he knows what that word means. They believe that in a democracy, the right to vote is sacred, and we should be making it easier for people to cast their ballot, not harder. Okay. Uh, but we want to have 
integrity in our elections, right? So we just going to let, I mean, uh, fine. Can I vote 10 times? Can I vote 100 times if I want to? That's easier. Can I just vote all I want? That's easier. Why don't we just vote by text? Everybody just text to vote in. Why don't you just do that? This is how stupid this stuff really is. you got to have security when it comes to voting because of the power involved. You see, it's about power. This is the under... It's about power. Get more people to vote. Promise them lots of things. They'll vote for us so we get power and we can do all these things to maintain power. They believe that no one, including the president, is above the law. Well, I mean, are you sure about that? Because if that's the case, I mean, what you've done was highly illegal with the Trump campaign, so you probably should be prosecuted for that, but... I mean, I don't know. They understand in this democracy, the commander-in-chief doesn't use the men and women of our military who are willing to risk everything to protect our nation as political props to deploy against peaceful protesters on our own soil. No, but you can use them as political props in an ad. I mean, is that okay? Uh, Is that all right? They understand that political opponents aren't un-American just because they disagree with you. Are you sure about that? Because these people really want to clamp down dissent from their from their party. Are you? Sh- this is this is the most laughable part, I think, of the speech. When we look at what the left tries to do to people that oppose them, they try to deplatform them, cancel them, silence them, do everything they can to call them un-American. They actually call people that. That a free press isn't the enemy, but the way we hold officials accountable. Right? Yeah. I'm sure they're holding Joe Biden accountable right now. Just go read the Washington Post or the New York Times or CNN. Everything is about how great Joe Biden is. They're really holding Joe Biden accountable for all of his stupidity. And Kamala Harris for all of her hypocrisy. They're holding all these people accountable. Right, Barack? And you too. So he says, you know, but that's what's at stake right now. Our democracy. Uh, The rest of this is just kind of just silly platitudes and nonsense. Uh, But I want to finish with what he says at the end. He says, you can give our democracy new meaning. You can make it a better place. You're the missing ingredient, the ones who will decide whether or not America becomes a country that fully lives up to its creed. That line, new meaning, we're going to continue remaking America. This This is demagoguery at its highest level. You are going to do this. But you're going to give us new meaning, and you're going to see that America becomes lives up to its creed. Well, what creed is that? This is the proposition nation that the neoconservatives love too, but it's completely false when it comes to what America actually is. And of course, Obama brings up all kinds of things, you know, that would appeal to the base and the rest of this stuff. But um, this is important because what he says here is exactly what the Democrats are all about and the neoconservatives too. It's this creed. You see, they're all on the same side of this. What we have is a federal republic, not a democracy. We have a president who's supposed to uphold, defend, and protect the, the Constitution, which not not our freedoms and ideals, whatever that means. This is why Obama is dangerous. He's dangerous because he makes great speeches, he's slick when he does it, and he says things that are blatantly false, but people just nod their head. Oh, yeah, and then they, they fawn over Obama, and they follow him around. I mean, you look at what people talk about Trump, MAGA rallies, and all these people out there that just follow Trump, and they don't care. Obama had the same thing, you know, thrill up my leg, these kind of things. This is, this is Obama. It's a cult of personality. It's a cult of personality with Trump. It's also dangerous. Both of these people are dangerous in their own way because of that. 
But at the end of the day, Obama is saying things are just blatantly false. And that's the danger as well. All right, so Barack Obama made a really bad speech. I went really long on this podcast. I didn't want to go that long, but I just had to get through this speech because it's just so funny. Okay, have a great weekend. Uh, We'll get Joe Biden's speech tonight. Maybe I'll talk about that on Monday of next week or I'll come up with something else or send me your requests if you want to hear anything. But I will see you next time next week on The Brian McClanahan Show. See you then. (laughs)